seven. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've so, got loads of old. So you're a great expert <laughs> on the body and what to do with it. What do you call it? Art, science and what else on your website? Um, sort of art researcher, biomedical stuff, yeah. Yeah, and sort of challenging some of the, the ways in which biomedicine represents, represents the body in relation to fatness and other things. Yep. So um, if you can... So I'm Rebecca Harris, as you know, artist researcher based in Cornwall. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read from a paper only because I have a monkey brain and we will be all over the place else, so I need to make sure I'm covering everything. So this is from my MA project, which I completed, um, which will be about five years ago now. So I've always had an interest in the human body, it's always featured in my work. Um, so my practice mainly explores the biomedical and the psychosocial aspects of the materialities and the embodied experience of the human body, and most notably the female body. So the artworks have always been instigated by the personal, so events in my life sort of informing what I make. Um, so it wasn't just a form of catharsis, but it was really a means to fully investigate the pertinent themes affecting me in my life, and of course the universal themes then that come from that. So rather than the work being autobiographical, so that's just telling you something of my life, I was starting to look at the, it being ethnographical. So you do not need to know anything about my personal story to engage with the work. There is a sense of autonomy to the pieces, and it leaves room for you to explore your own story, experience, and attitudes towards the themes that I cover. So, unless otherwise stated, actually I don't think I ended up using other artworks. Um, the, um, the images are of my own up here. So, to label someone a beast obscures that person. All that can be seen is the fat. They become stigmatised and the process then turns them into mere objects. So, Obscure Objects of Obesity was my MA project, um, finished in 2013. Um, it explored through my art practice the notions of the fat body as a deviant body, a body that needs to be controlled, restricted and re-contoured to reach a satisfactory normativity. The project developed from the emphasised awareness of my own body and that was um, prompted by um, the anticipation of a gastric bypass that I was going to have in August 2012. So, however, this was with um, trepidation as I was ignoring the stigmatised subject matter, only to discover that unintentional explorations were discernible in the artworks I was creating at the time. So this one is untitled, and then in brackets, stop tap. And it was made for artworks I was creating on gender and the home. So I wasn't actually making works about the body and obesity at the time, it was about the home. So despite my unease of placing myself in this vulnerable position, I decided to come out as a fat woman and originally set out to create a project responding to the psychosocial and physiological changes brought on by weight loss surgery. It transpired, though, through the concerns with the normalising extremes I was about to put myself through. It led me to discover counter-discourse on the female fat body. And I felt a reconciliation with my fat identity, so at short notice I cancelled the operation. So the project situated my fat body as an axis for research. As my experiences of being a fat woman and related investigations of obesity were at the core, 
Although instigated by personal events, the artworks have much more social relevance. For autobiography, from the ancient um, Greek autos, which is self, and bios, which is life, and graphi being writing, is a retroactivity used in hindsight in which an individual communicates a significant period of their life. Such an approach conveys something of the individual, and I wanted the story to impact on wider social discourse and debate. Therefore, I chose autoethnography from the ancient Greek autos, self again, ethno-culture and graphy writing, a combination of autobiography and ethnography, which seeks to describe, this is, um, I'm quoting now, Ellis, seeks to describe and systematically analyse personal experience in order to understand cultural experiences. So autoethnography would enable me to utilise my own experiences to discover and comment on matters much more than my personal self. The artworks do not didactically address the theme of obesity. They are much more subtle, creating an alternative paradigm of the subject matter. Furthermore, viewers can bring their own narratives, their bodies and experiences to read the autonomous artworks. So in Losing My House, I explored the theme of home. In Losing My Mother, I explored the theme of death. But when I was about to have weight loss operation in which I would lose a significant and life-changing amount of weight, I chose to ignore this subject matter. Reference to the body is a theme that um, has run throughout um, within these prior artworks, in particular the skin in Home Project, and the body became more explicit in the fetish project, which was Home and Gender. So this was um, a piece of muslin, um, hung up on the side of my house and then I painted latex so it took an indexical trace of the house and it was something that could be folded up and put into a bag it was this huge piece of material that had the imprint of a house so again, it was about skin and body so preceding obscure objects of obesity and following the theme of home fetish ex um, explored gender divisions within the home so investigating the materiality and objecthood of domestic and do-it-yourself paraphernalia into object-based sculptures. So during the development of this work, and despite no intentionality, weight loss surgeries worries um, manifested within the artworks. It was not necessarily what was to be read by the audience, but was what I saw reflected in the artworks, which was the basic apprehension of the alien interventions of my own body and the subsequent sagging skin, which we'll go on to in a moment. Despite the lack of att attention to the theme so pertinent in my life, I realised that the autobiographical tendencies which had pre previously propelled my inquiry could be re-established. The artworks were clearly embodying my concerns, and this was an opportunity to fully embrace and explore the subject of obesity emerging from these artworks. <clears throat> A gastric bypass, which was a procedure I was just weeks away from during the conclusion of my fetish work, makes permanent gastrointestinal um, alterations. It restricts consumption and causes malabsorption through the creation of a small pouch from your stomach and then the shortening of the small intestines. Seeking to normalise my abject body, which I'd spent a lifetime disavowing, and despite so much focus on this body, I had divorced my physicality, or rather the reality of my body, with my identity. 
and became a repudiator of my own physical existence. So these are some very tiny drawings that I was doing. In the book Absent Body, The Absent Body by Drew Leder, or Leder, utilises both medical and phenomenological theory to create the term disappearance. To argue in day-to-day -day life, the body is self-effacing. At most, it is surface body. And through some form of dysfunction, it thus appears. My effacement was extreme. I was ignoring my body, but following the clinical pathologizing process, I could no longer ignore myself. And thus, I profoundly disappeared. Brought to the fore was the heightened sense of awareness of my body's failure. Furthermore, knowledge of the data on mortality rates, surgical complications, impact on quality of life, hair loss, malnutrition, and excess sagging skin all sought to compound this disappearance. Therefore, considering my previous tendencies to use personal narrative, it became of no surprise how an acute phenomena would affect my practice. So Paisley Livingston states in the book Art and Intention, deeds of intention in art can occur both consciously and unconsciously, irrespective of whether the artist is aware of their actions. So these are the breasts, you're going to be seeing a lot of these. Intention existed regardless of whether I was consciously aware of it. Those fetish artworks assimilated biological and psychological concerns about the forthcoming surgery. So this piece and the tap piece you've previously seen, that wasn't even an obesity project at the time, that was still the home gender project. So Untitled Stop Valve, the previous one, became emblematic in referencing alien biomedical alterations of the viscera. A second distinct piece from the previous work, these are called Life Sucks, illustrated the simple fear of sagging skin and the loss of female body definitions. Integrated into this project are both the artworks themselves and their concepts and materials which were to influence upon subsequent artworks. So significantly, the fear of creating a body of work on a personal, a personal and stigmatised subject matter shed some light onto my reluctance to address the theme earlier. I was very anxious about making this decision, and despite the self-evidence of my fat body, I saw myself as coming out as a fat woman. It was a means of personal acceptance and declaration, which Eve Sedgwick states as a renegotiation of the represent a representational contract between one's own body and one's world. However, I considered I would not be fat for long as I would rid myself of my life-stigmatising body and soon be normalised. So Australian feminist uh, Samantha Murray considers the experience of the live fat body as one in suspended animation. So you're waiting to become thin and accorded personhood whilst residing in a constant disavowal of one's own flesh. Um, as soon as I developed my interests in fat studies and activism, I felt a form of reconciliation with my identity as a fat woman and horrified at the extremes I was about to put my body through. So although I did not have the procedure, I persisted with my inquiry. So drawing from embodied experiences previously mentioned, 
I remained as an axis for research. But autoethnography was no longer completely relevant on its own. So I adopted a triangulation approach to include autoethnography, thinking through making, and discourse inquiry. So they all would feed in a kind of cyclical motion. So discourse was recognised as always being an active method of inquiry from the onset of the project. This form of um, exploration was significant as my subject matter is heavily entrenched with discourse, as Murray suggests. The fat body is a site where numerous discourses intersect, including those concerning normative feminine beauty and sexuality, health and pathology, morality, anxieties about excess, and the centrality of the individual in the project of self-governance. Being a chubby child and an obese most of my adult life, I was well aware of the negative ways society saw me and how this um, constituent... you know, towards how I felt about me and my body. So Gillian Rose um, states, discourse is a particular knowledge about the world which shapes how the world is understood and how things are done in it. Furthermore, we categorise and interpret objects, subjects and the world only through the structures available to us and are often not aware of those formations that make it difficult to question. Although I knew what my body and personhood meant in society, I did not consider anything counter to this. I was fully involved in this negative discourse by seeking means to normalise my body so I could literally fit in. So at the time of waiting to be operated on, this is one of the pieces I made. So I saw the anxieties of that alien intervention within that artwork. So this piece then instigated the research on weight loss surgeries and the attitudes towards obesity. So I could hone this physical and societal notions of restriction and control. Following this, I discovered the counter discourse of fat studies and activism, finally becoming empowered and seeing my body as a worthy entity, which led me then to cancel the operation. So thinking through making, I dynamically took part in discourse. I was discovering, questioning, and resituating my social place, and then contributing through my arts practice to those reflections to offer the viewer an opportunity to take and question their understandings of obesity. So although my fat body instigated the research, it was a thinking through making approach, which opened up a further realm of discovery. For example, this piece, Deep-Seated Anxiety, aims to unite both inside and outside sites of the body, referencing the related surgical procedures of body contouring and liposuction. For this artwork, I did not know what I was going to initially make, just that it would be a form and it would evolve from there. So it was a form made, it was covered in calico, and then these intestinal tight pieces, that was going to cover the whole thing. But I got to a certain point where I felt that was like a torso and that was just representing that area. And as I was pulling the uh, calico tighter and tighter, it was then representing to me that reconstructive of trying to reconciliate the sagging skin with the new form inside. And if you see the piece, you see this tension on those seams because I kept finding more and more seams to keep sewing and sewing. Um, so Life Sucks, my boobs again, has significant, um, signifying content stemming from the objects used as well as what I have done with them. 
So initially, feminist ideas may be construed from the knots created within the tights and anthropomorphically references sagging breasts. But it was also tights and the embroidery hoops which signify much more. So the found objects are of the world and they retain their thingness as I do not attempt to conceal their identity. So sociologist Julia Twigg states, in the case of clothing, there is a relationship mediated between the body and the social world. So she continues, forming the vestimentary envelope that contains and makes manifest the body, offering a means whereby it is experienced, experience presented and given meaning in particular social contexts. So anyone familiar with clothing in Western society would quickly decipher the gender ascribed to tights from the exposed yet diaphanously covered legs of women. The women's section in a clothing store hosts a whole range of tights. Um, just yesterday I bought myself a, a new pair of tights whilst I was shopping in Tesco's. You know, you can find them everywhere. So emphasising the surface of her legs, the tights act as a means to conceal her skin, but in turn reveal the intimate contours of her body, whilst acting as a pseudo-skin. Although there are tights available in pattern prints and fancy knits um, like fish nets, my interest with the materiality of the tights was its skin mimicry and the potential for body modification. In her cultural analysis of the skin, uh, Claudia Bemphium highlights tendencies to fetishize the surface of the female body, coming from the focus on the skin being the concealing veil of what makes woman other. And it's on the surface where the coding of femaleness takes place. Therefore, tights become a conduit to explore the discursive context of the female skin, of which I go into more detail in the Skinner's repository section. So in the subversive stitch by Rosika Parker discusses um, embroidery as a subversive feminist trope used in art as a reaction to a range of discursive formations and structured from the diverse historical cultural facets relating to the feminine. So Life Sucks does not contain embroidery per se, but rather the frame references it nonetheless. The functional object totally holds the fabric for embroidery and is a literal and symbolic holder or of either a domestic chore or allegedly pastime. Drawing the assemblage of tights and embroidery hoot together, this artwork convenes on the historical, contemporary and cultural discourses of both women's work and her body. So this piece is over there if anyone wants to see that later. So I started with my body as an axis of research, stemming from the emphasised awareness of my physical presence within society, and it shifted towards a central petal focus of my body brought on by pending surgery. Transcending my personal experience, my body became a way of auto-ethnographically um, exploring the significance of cultural discourse relating to the fat body. Furthermore, the processes... Um, Materials and objects also formed, um, performed as a means to trigger research for their intersecting associative discourse contexts. So we move on to Skinner's repository now. So in establishing the sites of biomedical interventions of treating the obese body, the viscera and the skin are two areas I focused on. 
The skin for me is a means of communicating the size and the history of the body and the viscera is the locale for the weight loss surgeries which in turn impact on the skin through the change in body size. In my exploration of the skin as material and conceptual media, medium, I started with excess skin. So Life Sucks uses stretch and unfilled tights to, mimic, to mimetically reference sagging breasts. My preference for tights is re um, reflected in the thoughts of artist Senga Nengudu, who selects tights as they relate, and I quote, to the elasticity of a human body. From tender tight beginnings to sagging, the body can only stand so much push and pull until it gives way, never to resume its normal shape. So the tights, therefore, not only gave me an opportunity to discuss the inevitable sagging skin of the weight loss surgery patients, because now I've moved from myself to studying um, patients, but also makes anthropomorphic reference to the strain upon a body. In reference to the skin, I retained an autoethnographical approach and I was no longer going to have the operation, so retain my inflated skin. I therefore placed my focus on its current stretch state. So in weight gain, arguably no other organ is more physically altered and vis visually modified than that of the skin. So flesh, viscera and bones reside relatively undisturbed as the mass of the body grows around. As the fat swells, the skin expands, transmuting the body towards the discursive fat person. Murray suggests that um, a there are collective negative tendencies to judge the fat body. She states, as members of Western society, we presume to know the histories of all fat bodies, particularly those of women. We re read a fat body on the street and we believe to know its truth. The fat subject is lazy, not willing to commit to change or the um, dictates of healthy living. They are compulsive eaters. They are hyper-emotional. In short, the fat body is discursively constructed as a failed body project. The social gaze is primarily constructed from our experiences with other people. Jean-Paul Sartre observes that one comes to the realisation of oneself not just as a being for itself, but as a being as object, and being for others upon the encounter of a social gaze. So feminine bodily aesthetics, Murray argues, are formed by the relatively worthiness or unworthiness bestowed by the heterosexual male gaze. Within the media, men's bodies are premised on the privileging of ma masculine bodily strength, power and ability to protect, whereas the women's motivations are centred on their appearance. Linking fat as feminine, Murray posits that fatness for men is a feminising characteristic, seen to weaken them. And for women, their relationship with fat is a process of obtaining or retaining the normal body to be aesthetically beautiful, desirable to men. So shifting these notions to the surface, Claudia Benfium um, states that the male body is historically and culturally the paradigmatic body. So he's characterised by the powerful muscles and veins beneath his skin. So the female body retains her otherness, as what lies beneath her skin is taboo. Her body must be contained and the skin is a concealing veil. 
So she goes on within this book to talk about how when you go to places like the Wellcome Trust and the Wellcome Collection and you see the um, models of the auto, um, the anatomical models, that the only time you see a female model is when they're showing the womb because there is something otherness about the female body. She has this concealing veil. And when she's talking about the uh, muscles, so for men, it's you know what will protrude from their skin, their muscles, their veins. But for women, it's just it's just surface level. She's got to be blemish free. She's got to be shaved. There's got to be there's got to be this um, continuation of um, colour. You know, no veins being able to see. That's where the whole tights things come in. So. Um, so therefore, she becomes divine, defined as being both a container and surface within the coding of femaleness taking place on her skin. So through my arts practice, I developed a series of machine-embroidered textile pieces which explored the skin as a repository, um, questioning the skin as a container of meaning which embodies femaleness, fatness, and the body's history. So the left piece there without the... Um, the clips on the end is over there and these were unresolved pieces I didn't then you know later develop those so flaying the skin the topography became my visual and conceptual medium so the obvious material of choice for me was fabric skin and cloth are analogous for their capacity con to conceal they act as a surface and textiles have a familiar presence throughout our lives and often referred to as our second skins it became apparent that I could exploit these notions and not just draw on cliched analogies, but rather on our intimate relationships with this ubiquitous material. Textiles are much more than an obvious choice. Owing to our knowledge of them through touch and proximity to the skin, it was the suitable and fitting choice. In honing my selection, I gave preference to working with calico, which is an unbleached woven cotton in its still in its loom state and in fact this cheap and insipid fabric is not generally used for any bodily adornment rather owing to its primal state so this fabric in itself is naked so in the investigation of the fat skin's materiality i witnessed the stretch marks as something which acts as a memorial they are unapologetic and do not forget a body in excess to become the indices to what the skin endeavours or endeavoured to contain. The antithesis of the controlled nature of the thin person, the materiality of their body, the stretch marks symbolically render upon the surface of the fat person a body which is out of control and is in strained containment. Benfian states the skin is conceptualised as something that is worn, it is an inescapable garment. And thus the mass of the fat body is seeking to break its boundaries by displaying the ruptures upon its sheathing membrane. Although the male skin can stretch in the same way, Benfume situates the female skin as a locale for female coding, which explains the attitude of um, feminine beauty being skin deep. <clears throat> in the article tracing... Um, the skin surface, Melanie Hurst argues that male tendencies to fetishize um, female body parts lead to beauty endowed upon the surface, and a superficial ruse or lure is deeply embedded in sexist contempt for femininity 
and this contributes to the feminization of the skin. On the veneer of the female body, beauty is interrupted by stretch marks. Their emergence is unwanted, which leads to a demand in cosmetic preventions and treatments to a predominantly female clientele. Furthermore, stretch marks have connotations of femaleness in their indexical tracings of pregnancies. And alongside notions of women aspiring to be stretch mark free, leads to femaleness and stretch marks um, inextricably um, linked. So upon the calico surface, I sought to elevate the status of the cloth and embellish its surface with what would normally be considered blemishes. The use of embroidery, mostly defined as a fem feminine craft, became a means to subvert the blemishes and create a seductive surface that abstracted the pattern of the disembodied stretch marks. Using a silky thread, the machine embroidery zigzag stitches alluded to the materiality of the shimmering stretch mark. These notions can be applied to how the body is modified through cosmetic surgeries in which the hand enacts a power upon the material of the body to cut and sew in a reconstruction towards an aesthetic preference. But then penetrating the border, I sought to investigate the areas of the body so heavily associated with biomedical notions of weight gain and weight loss, the stomach and intestines. Emerging from untitled stop valve, this series of amalgamated DIY paraphernalia and stuffed tights explores the body's biomechanical bio state, an object to be dissected, explored, cut, rerouted as a means to an end the end being the normative body. Criticised by sociologist Bill Hughes, biomedicine, the approach of modern medicine, has limitations in its consideration that, and I quote, health is the approach of modern medicine, um, has limitations in its consideration that health is solely dependent on its repair and ignores the thinking, feeling, and social aspects of healthy human existence. Hughes goes on to state a preference for biopsychosocial medicine as human existence is simultaneously biological, it's psychological, and it is also social. This is in fact a term I found to fit my approach to the subject of obesity. I critique the biomedical approach in reducing the digestive system to a functioning state similar to that of plumbing. So in Metaphors We Live By, George Lakoff and Mark Johnson see the house as a container of meaning. Um, it is a container metaphor. So we are physical beings, we're bounded and set off from the rest of the world by the surface of our skins. And we experience the rest of the world as outside us. So adopting this metaphor, bodies like houses contain a whole host of functioning pipes and the wires to give us life and, and the plumbing to remove waste. Hidden within the guts of the home, these functions continue without our attention. So just like Drew Leader mentioned earlier, there is that disappearance, and it's only through their dysfunction that they then appear to us. Now I've gone back. So these internal-like body parts, so this was, um, if you can quite tell, it's the tumble dryer hose. So it was a piece about this big, all knotted and intertwined. 
So internal like body parts also appear anthropomorphized, looking like bent limbs, adopting a similar approach to Sarah Lucas's artwork. So these terse constructions rely on a concise visual analogy. A lightness of touch is integral to my making, utilising the inherent language within those objects like a truth to materials and not exerting too much pressure upon them. It enables the artworks to retain their autonomy, using already existing knowledge of the objects in the world and giving it some enough signifying content to draw on the reading of the body, but does not attempt to overtly lead to any specific reading. Primarily, the body is used to read the objects in how it interacts with familiar objects and the body's status as an axis for perception. We are our bodies of and in the world, and as proposed by French philosopher Maurice Merleau-Ponty, we perceive the world with our bodies. Through this manipulation and emphasising of materials and objects which exist in the physical realm with, with us, I use materiality to create a dialogue with others' bodies. A piece which aims uh, to be a body rather than of the body and unites both inside and outside is deep-seated anxiety. So it focuses on the female-centric area of the body, the abdomen, the locale of what makes woman other and it emphasises the core of the body. So many uh, soft textile sculptures adopt the tr traditional craft of toy making by stuffing and enveloping fabric form, like the artworks by Annette Massager. I never know if I pronounce that. The work references notions of reconstructive surgeries with the surface calico covered in sutures that attempt to reconcile an ex excess exterior with a smaller interior. Then on either side is a running stitch done in a circular motion. So I don't know if you can quite make that out. So in liposuction, they would do, they would draw the dashes around the problem areas that would then have the liposuction. Um, so Briney first states that soft sculpture invites a language of anthropomorphism, of bodily projection and empathy. Bulbous forms, organic forms, seem deliberately to inscribe erotics of the body. I think it is also what it's made from, as mentioned before. The power of textiles re resides in its intimate relationship with the body stemming from touch and proximity. It's also in the creation of the work that was important. So this was placed on a shelf that would reflect the torso of the, um, the audience. So it would go to an average height and then the piece would be here. So I started the MA ignoring my body and I finished by placing it as an axis of research which my art practice now revolves. The obese body was a sort of literal elephant in the room and then formed the crux of my inquiry. I was anxious of how the artworks and the, my coming out as a fat woman would be received. Knowing all, to, all too well the negative and sometimes aggressive um, responses towards fat subjects. Through this project I felt I was contributing and encouraging audience engagement with current um, debates and other disciplines on the research within obesity. 
So although my body became the personal instigator to the project, it later evolved to be of wider significance. Developing my auto-ethnography um, methodology, I could use the autobiographical for much wider cultural significance. So at the time, I could not say with absolute certainty if obesity was going to be a theme I would always explore, but the body in general definitely was. It was through these two years on the MA I discovered who I am as an art practitioner, and the body is not just a subject matter for me, but it's actually exploiting the viewer's body as a tool to perceive. Materiality and objecthood use the body in how we interact sensually, intellectually, to understand the physicality of these things encountered. So through this project, I discovered a synthesis between making and theorising, developing a studio practice of thinking through making. Initially, I would read the theory, and then I would try to illustrate it. Then later, I would make something and see what I could pin on to that. Um, so now my practice is a fusion of theory and making. It's a cyclical process. The studio work is thinking work, a dynamic process of theoretical research taking place within and from my making. So since the completion of the project, my work has still continued with the theme of the body. So this is the Welcome Trust in Eden project piece about the human microbiome. So this was quite an interesting thing to explore. At the time, it was about the microbes on the body, and um, if you see the whole piece, um, it was about the sterile womb, and just, so that was quite an interesting piece. Um, so, so not quite able to leave the theme of the sagging breasts and fat loss. I did a show which was actually, ha would have been happening right now, last year, um, which explored uh, expansive story of breasts. So this year I aim to return to an obesity-related form of inquiry which delves um, deeper into the skin as repository. So following my own weight loss, so over the last year I've lost seven stone and that's been non-surgical, my own body has become a site of conflicting identities. So I have this new form, but I have a mass of sagging skin. And my weight loss still continues, which will, that would only get worse over time. So I aim to explore the literal metaf uh, metaphorical reconciliation with these dichotomous forms. The large cascading stigmatized shell is a stark reminder of the body I've left behind, now enveloping my new changed form. So it would be an exploration of the fat female skin is both a container of meaning which embodies the femaleness again, fatness and its history. And that's it. And we're done. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you very much.